best. Mandarin Groot is the best kind of Groot. Hey guys, guess where we are? Come on, Matt, Rachel. Guess where we are? The Matt Cave. We're in the Matt Cave, but really, we're in the Savage Land. Just like Kevin Bacon. Are you out of your fucking mind? They got my dick missing! Is that dirty enough for you? I don't know if you know this, but I don't speak Russian! Why, hello, beautiful. I told you those savages couldn't be trusted. This all seems horrible. What is the point of all those push ups if you can't even lift a bloody log? Give me a fat beat to beat my bosses. <laughs> Time to nut up or shut up. Let the games begin. Welcome back, you savages. Three of us are here for you today to bring happiness to your eardrums. Which three, you ask? You'll find out right now. Matt. Rachel. And I'm Jason. Welcome today to our quaint little podcast where you will learn how to say I am Groot in Mandarin Chinese, sort of. As right, you, right now? I don't know. I, it'll, it'll probably be at the beginning of the episode. Sure, we'll do it right now for our Mandarin audience. All right. Now everyone in China knows exactly what we're about here in the Savage Land. How are you guys doing? Oh, good. Great. good. Great. 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 Fantastic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Rachel, I know you got the uh, the Arkham Knight as soon as you possibly could. How's that going for you? I love it. You love it? I love it. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good is the game so far? 8. 8? That's solid. That's solid. Well, I haven't got very far in it either. Yeah. I think I'm like 7% in. But So it could either get way worse or way better? Yeah, exactly. Damn. That's... <laughs> Those are shaky odds. I guess we'll have to wait with bated breath until it, then. It did scare me earlier today. Really? I jumped. What was the physically. moment that scared you? I can't say. <laughs> Come on. It's it's only like, what, how many levels into the game? Like the f- second one? Okay, yeah. Ish. Come on. Yeah. No one's going to care about a second level spoiler. Well, is anybody here going to play it and get mad at me? Matt? Is, no. are you gonna, okay. I mean, I'll play it, but I'm not going to get mad. Well... Because the Joker dies in the beginning, you set him on fire. God damn it! God damn Just it! Kidding. And so that's actually a pretty huge spoiler. I know. It's, it's, only, it's, only, a lo- it's only the second this, level. This is going to be a huge spoiler. So you're, if I can get to that point in the game, then it's probably not that big of a deal. So you're you've just confronted Scarecrow, mm-hmm. and he's going to blow up this chemical plant. Mm-hmm. So you're like trying to get to him to minimize the explosion mm-hmm. so you have to like carefully carry these tubes and put them in <laughs> and the last one you grab as soon as you turn around there's the joker there with a gun oh, pointed shit. right at you and i jumped i'm like oh my god and then it just threw your controller across the room and then it just stops broke your tv yeah. damn yeah it's all broken shit but it's killed your cat yeah, she's dead. <laughs> That's a bad day for you. That was a really bad day. It's, I'm sorry to hear Everybody's that. Everybody's dead. Jeez. My apartment just burst into flames. Fuck, but... spontaneous combustion is the worst. <laughs> right. Jeez. But well, it's a really good game. 
Everybody go get it, even though I just spoiled that for you. Hooray! <laughs> no, but for real, like, if there's any point that I can actually get to in a game, then it's probably not that big of a deal, because I'm not very good at video games. Yeah, but you, I, you I tried get to, to help me earlier. And yeah, didn't that, work. That didn't work out yeah. too well. Hey, at least when I tried to help you out, it gave you the inspiration you needed to to keep moving and actually figure it out and do it. It's true. That is true. Well, so you, you also caught up to me and Matt. Uh, you, you watched uh, Jurassic World. I did. What did you think? Had it not had the nostalgia, mm-hmm. it would have been the dumbest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> but it's a fun movie. So what are your reasons? Now that, now that the three of us have seen Jurassic World and we can talk openly about it, what, what are the reasons that you didn't like it, Rachel? It, it's very poorly written, and the, yeah. the dialogue is super cheesy, and it seems a bit disjointed. What? So, yeah, that those are kind of the problems that I had with it. Like the the actual, I don't know the 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 way everyone talked. It seems so weird. Like I don't know, their conversations were just they sounded like two different people were writing different parts of the script and not on the same page. Almost, I don't know. Yeah. Like and what he says at the end was just like, oh my god, that is the stupidest thing ever. But I mean, I felt really bad for all the dinosaurs. <laughs> I cried when any of the dinosaurs got hurt. <laughs> Did you cry when the babysitter got tossed from dinosaur to dinosaur? No, I didn't and cry when any, when any of the people died or got hurt. I I didn't care but man when the dinosaurs got hurt well i guess that's what chris pratt wanted you to feel in that movie that's true okay did did chris pratt's voice bug either of you Mm -hmm. no i feel like he was doing like an overly redneck version of himself Mm -mm. no i didn't get that i kind of got i don't know and maybe maybe it's just me but like it was it was weird for me but you so so now that you can say your whole opinion without spoiling it for anyone matt what uh what's what's your full takeaway from Jurassic World. What's your opinion? Oh, still, it's still the same as it was last week. Well, yeah, I just mean, like, now that you can actually say things without spoiling, what were some of the highlights for you and what were some of the low points? Oh, um, were there dinosaurs on screen? I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> what about when the kid from Iron Man 3 was on screen? I love that kid. Really? Yeah, he's great. In my mind, he's almost like the new Jake Lloyd. The you know the kid that played Anakin Skywalker no, that had a DUI on. last week. Mm-mm. No, I don't think uh, so. Jake Lloyd sucks. <laughs> he does. I just I don't know. I he see was, this. I liked him in Iron Man three. I liked him in this movie. I thought he was okay in Iron Man three. I thought he. I guess he was okay in this movie. He wasn't like super annoying or anything, but I don't know. He still kind of bugged me. Hmm. Something about him. I think it's just the hair. You got a whole, <laughs> yeah, got a whole was, lot of hair flying was around. Some bad hair. Yeah. I didn't. A lot of it. I wanted to like go cut his hair. Yeah, and I actually thought that to myself as I was watching. I want to cut oh, that. Kid's really hair. weird, especially because like it, it made his head look so big, and he's not a big kid. Like he's a pretty fairly skinny kid, so he just looked like a Funko Pop bobblehead walking around, <laughs> getting chased by dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I guess maybe that's what they're going for. They're trying to market the toys better. <laughs> Who knows? That's weird, but okay. It's hey, you know what? It's a very discreet. You know, like sort of like a subliminal, I guess, message for it. Where like when they see the Funko Pop figure of that kid, they'll be like, oh, 
that's perfect. <laughs> but it was the plan all along. <laughs> I have a deal. <laughs> <laughs> so our our topic today, what uh, what I wanted to talk about was uh, comic books. I you know, I mean, we've we've all been reading reading comic books for many many years now. I think most of us, or I guess all three of us, grew up reading comic books. Um, and so I kind of just wanted to talk about like what what series or characters or I guess just various things from the comic book uh, universes really have, have resonated with you through the years and things that have kind of like, I guess stuck with you or spoke to you more than most other comics. Um, I mean, for, for me, it was uh, the, the teen Titans by Jeff Johns. That was like the first comic I read and it was super identifiable. I think I like, I think with that comic for me, it was a lot uh a lot because of it, like with the DC universe, they have a whole lot of like legacy characters. And so it's like, you've got, you know, kid flash and Robin and, and Superboy, like these sidekicks that are kind of like taking, you know, or, or waiting to take on the mantle of, of, you know, these, these legendary heroes or whatever. And I think that was like a cool thing that, that really just, you know, stood out to me or, or kind of stayed with me is the reason that I've, you know, most of the heroes that I've liked, uh, over the years have been kind of those legacy characters or those, you know, young characters that are sort of growing into their role. You know, you kind of grow with them as they, you know, take on new responsibilities and things like that. But that was, that was one that stood out to me. What, what about you, Rachel? Uh, I'm so not prepared for this. <laughs> My phone died. So I don't remember anybody's names really, but the first one I ever read was the crow, the crow by James O'Barr. I haven't read the crow. Um, I actually saw the movie first. Really? And granted, I was like seven. <laughs> I was not supervised. It's a good movie for a seven-year-old to watch. But I loved the movie, mm-hmm. and then I wanted the comic, so I went out and got that. But I was a very strange kid, so <laughs> like just how dark it was, mm-hmm. I really, really liked that. And then once I learned more about James O'Barr and what inspired him to write it was mm-hmm. um, his girlfriend at the time was supposed to go pick him up. And he like said, oh, I could have walked, but I called her to come pick me up. But she got in a car accident and she died. Oh, wow. And so he's always lived with that guilt. Yeah. And so that's what inspired him to write The Crow and Shelley in the story is his girlfriend. Wow. And then when they actually made the movie The Crow, mm-hmm. he, he was friends with Brandon Lee. Oh, man. And he died because he made this movie. So what you're saying is James O'Barr's a murderer. He is. He's a very elaborate no, murderer. No, he's just, I feel so bad for him. And yeah. he's had this guilt with the story for so long. And That is crazy. Like, I've, I've met him. He's like the nicest guy ever. But yeah, yeah that I- really just stuck with me the whole background of the story and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. love and revenge who doesn't love that that's that's true i i can see that i it's it's interesting like you know like looking at the the comics that you read as a kid versus like the ones that, that stuck out to me as a kid because like the crow would have been a comic that i been like ah, i don't care about that type yeah. thing you know like like when i saw hellblazer at the at the stores and stuff like that i never had any interest to, in reading it up until i was probably like 16 17 maybe oh as soon as i saw hellblazer i I need that (laughs) i need that right now (laughs) what about you matt what what was 
let's i mean i guess the the first one since you know both rachel and i kind of brought it up is like what was, what was the first comic that really i guess gripped you um i don't know i mean i started reading comics in the late 80s mm-hmm. and i was super into monsters so i read tales from the crypt and twilight zone and comics like that and that's sort of what got me into comics Mm -hmm. um and well you know what i mean sunday papers (laughs) reading the comics on sundays calvin and Hobbes. yeah 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 oh calvin and Hobbes is the best dude brought me into it but then in terms of superheroes and stuff where i started getting into you know marvel was i got marvel comics presents which was a series in the 80s that had four independent stories mm-hmm. one of which featured uh, a, a continuous run of a wolverine story and the rest were you know two or three partners mm-hmm. and that's that wolverine <clears throat> sold me on it and then uh spider-man and then spider-man sort of became my go-to guy for the next 10 years <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So Spider-Man's got the biggest sort of, yeah. you know. Um, emotional hold on you. The thank you. Yeah, emotional tie, tie. Sort of the hero I look I look up to the most and, you know, yeah. embody his ideals in my own personal life. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Peter Parker is, is kind of one of those characters. And I think that's one reason why I think more than most characters, people get very adamant or or very i guess you know when when they hear about people possibly making changes to peter parker's you know origins or or anything like that people get very defensive over it because he is i think one of those characters that's very you know sort of relatable and has a, a strong tie to to i guess i mean most people who who would be reading comics in general you know kind of a us nerdy dudes that have been, you know, in a lot of the situations that we see Peter Parker and, you know, getting picked on at school or, or, you know, struggling to sort of like balance his home and, and, and personal life and kind of just the, the real struggle of being, you know, kind of like the, the outcast and, and having all these, you know, the other things that nobody knows about in your life, you know, obviously kids can't relate to being a superhero, but they can relate to having another side of them or another side of their lives that the people that they interact with don't know about. And really feeling, I guess, that burden to kind of keep it under the surface. And, and I think that is one of the things that just does kind of make Peter Parker like a, a really relatable and enduring character. Oh, exactly. And, and and I don't know. Yeah, for me, it's always been, just like you said, you know, not necessarily in the sense that I have a side that I, people don't know about, mm-hmm. but that I have sort of my separating myself into there's the Peter Parker side of myself and there's the Spider-Man side of myself. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, creating a balance between the two and, and the, anyway, so that, I mean, yeah, so that, oh, yeah. that definitely was, you know, the big, the big attachment that I gained to that with, with that character. Yeah. And I think everyone has a, a Peter Parker and a Spider-Man, you know, I mean, cause you can, you can see it when he's written well, he's got kind of that dichotomy between when he's Peter, he's, you know, more shy and kind of abashed, but when he's, when he's Spider-Man, he's, he's, you know, totally just, you know, vocal and sarcastic and, and insanely just you know having fun yeah. um you know and out and kind of free and i think 
one of the reasons for that and one of the things that they've kind of you know stayed true with is like you know having that anonymity to him you know he's he's covered head to toe nobody knows who he is he's he's a symbol really when he's in that costume and so he doesn't have to worry about what are people going to think you know and it, and it kind of frees his personality that way and i think that that's how we all are you know when we're when we're around the people that we're most comfortable with, we let ourselves loose and we become completely different than we do when we're say, you know, at work or, or interacting with, you know, just new people. Sure. So I, it's, it's, yeah, I think for, you know, and I, I always wonder how much of, of that character, I guess how, how much of the relatability behind Peter Parker was intentional and how much of it just happened because of what they were trying to do at the time, you know, when originally when Stanley and Steve Ditko created him, I always wonder how many of those elements were actually sort of there on purpose and how of them, how many of them just kind of happened. Um, Cause so, you know, sometimes I'm inclined to think that, that the early days of Marvel with those creators like Jack Kirby and, and Stanley and Steve Ditko, that they were all kind of geniuses, but then other times it seems like a happy accident for a lot of it. You know what I mean? But, Probably started out as a happy accident yeah. and went from there and actually became a deeper story. Yeah. I think, yeah, because there, there are so many things that just sort of get added to characters as they go along. With, like with Superman, the most things that we know about Superman or that we kind of like hold as, as core to that character were added not until like 15 years after he was created when they made a radio drama of Superman, you know, like the kryptonite and um, the, I think, like the heat vision and flight. Like, yeah, yeah, the flight. So yeah. There's all stuff that wasn't added until the, the radio drama started. Which is like crazy because they, you know, people hold them as like these core things that have, you know, always been there or whatever. But then um, it's, you know, it's it's funny to see like how many of those things get added later on or or whatever. But what so so for you, Rachel, what what character was kind of the most like if you I, th- I think at least a lot of people like with Matt, it might have been Spider-Man with me, you know, the, the Teen Titans. If there was a, a specific- Wait, so who are the Teen Titans? So the the Teen Titans, at least that I read, there have been three different generations of Teen Titans now. Mm-hmm. Um, the originals were uh, Dick Grayson, Robin, Wally West was the Kid Flash, mm-hmm. um, Donna Troy was Wonder Girl, and then you had uh, Roy Harper was Speedy, and um, Garth, I think his name was just Garth, and he was Aqualad. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you had the new Teen Titans, which was the most well-known Teen Titans run for a long time, had the original five characters, but uh, Robin was now Nightwing, um, was the only change with those core characters. And then uh, Donna Troy ended up dying after a little while, as well as Aqualad ended up dying after a while. Um, but uh, you, you had added in the new Teen Titans, you had Starfire, Cyborg, um, Raven, and Beast Boy, or at the time he was called Changeling were added uh, with them. And then a lot of other uh, side characters like uh, Terra. And they kind of had sort of like with that Teen Titans uh, anime show that they had for a long time. That was what it was most based on is the new Teen Titans um, from that run. So you had a lot of those other Titans that would kind of show up. Um, but the run that I read was by Jeff Johns. And so it was, it was a completely new generation of Titans. Dick Grayson was, was still Nightwing, but he wasn't part of the team. He had kind of gone off to do other things. Um, Roy Harper was now Arsenal and he, you know, was kind of on his own as well. Uh, Aqualad had died. Wonder Girl had died. And, um, so there was kind of like this new, you know, sort of gap to fill, I guess. And, uh, we had this new generation of heroes like Tim Drake was Robin now. 
Um, we had Superboy, who was a clone of half Superman's DNA and half Lex Luthor's DNA, who was created as an experiment, um, you know, super young and trying to learn how to be a hero. We had a new uh, Wonder Girl called, uh, let's see, her name was Cassie Sandsmark. And, you know, the same type of thing. She, um, I think she was actually, I can't remember her exact origin right now, but uh, she, I believe she was actually living a normal life and then somehow got her, you know, powers given to her, uh, I believe by the God of War, um, Ares. And uh, so you kind of have this new generation of heroes that sort of needs to be groomed and they've got their regular mentors, but they, the idea behind it was like, we want these kids to sort of associate with people their age, you know, we don't want, you know, we don't want people like, like Superboy or, or like Robin or whatever, just always being around these, these adults and having to grow up faster than they, they need to, or than they should. And so they decided to reform the teen Titans and have, um, the senior, you know, kind of the older teen Titans from the last generation, uh, cyborg Starfire and beast boy kind of mentor them and, and teach them sort of how to become heroes and how to work as a team and things like that. So that was, that was the, the story that I read. And then we also had a, in that one, a new kid flash. He started out as impulse. His name was Bart Allen. He's Barry Allen's grandson from the future. They get stuck in the past. And he was my favorite character. The The entire reason that I first picked up the, the teen Titans was that right on the cover I saw, um, it, it was like this cover it showed impulse on, on one side and then kid flash on the other. And it was the new, you know, like just showing that he was, he had become kid flash now. And for whatever reason, it just drew my attention to it. I think mostly because he looked like he was like ginger or something like that. And I was like, yeah, redhead. <laughs> and uh, so I picked it up. And, and, and ever since then, I was just hooked because they – I think it, it was a huge credit to Jeff John's writing. He really understood the voices of each of those characters and understood who they wanted to be. Um, I think he is the only person that has written Superboy well uh, thus far. There have been a lot of shitty incarnations of Superboy since Jeff John's wrote him and uh, – it's kind of sucked because in, in that Teen Titans run, he was awesome and relatable, which is hard to do with a character like that. That's basically invulnerable. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the Teen Titans that I really was immediately just kind of sucked into was, was the Jeff Johns Teen Titans. It was, uh, let's see, 2002, I believe when I read that. So, but what was, Note to self. I know. Don't ask Jason about the Teen Titans anymore. (laughs) I know. That was a long answer. Super long answer. That was just. That was a very long answer. I know we have a large Marvel fan base, so I was like, all right, I'm just going to give the entire recap (laughs) of the Teen Titans. No, I mean, I think you should. I think you should. I think let's, let's, you know, (laughs) let's dig into all of our wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Well, that's because, I mean, I think the the three of us have a very different base of knowledge and, and Mitch as well when he's here is, uh, has a, a different base of knowledge than any of the three of us as well. I agreed. Um, but so, you know, I guess for, for Matt, it was Spider-Man for me, it was the teen Titans. What was the character that you would read no matter what they were in Rachel? Or did you have one? Uh, I didn't really have one really. Yeah. I just kind of had like a starting point mm-hmm. and a gradual spiral yeah. into things. So after The Crow, what did you read? Um, I read Sandman by Ooh. Neil Gaiman. Damn, solid start. Which, obviously being a darker story, yeah, I yeah. got into that. And then uh, Constantine is in that. Yeah, yeah. So then I started reading some Hellblazer. And then that also led me to Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and to Death. Because she had her own little run yeah. too, but 
yeah, I read a lot of Lucifer and So you it sounds like you were definitely more into like the the darker and more mystical Yeah, like type of comics involved. Like I mean, don't, use, don't use the word goth at all. <laughs> oh, no. I wasn't one of those. You weren't one of those? No, I was. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Yeah. Kid, kids reading Vertigo comics are pretty much all Well, you know, and that's why it surprised me that you'd never read Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. I know. It <laughs> was perfect yeah. for and me. And in that same time frame. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm glad I read it now. But, yeah. I should have read it then, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. Like, where I grew up, there was, like, maybe a hundred people in my graduating class, <laughs> and there were two goth chicks, and it was me and this other girl, and we weren't even friends. So you guys were goth by association? We didn't even associate <laughs> at all. It was just stupid, so. Yeah. I, I And obviously, I didn't get along or relate to many people yeah. out in farm country, oh, so yeah, I, I had my had comic comments. books, so... That's, That's awesome. What I did. <laughs> so when? <laughs> so how how long did it take before you picked up a superhero comic? Oh, like way way long, really? like early twenties. Dang, what was the what was the first one you picked up? Uh, it was a Thor comic. I remember oh. that much. I don't have it yeah, anymore. Yeah. It was stolen, but mm. yeah. In the in the great tragedy of in, uh, of two thousand and fourteen, thirteen, thirteen, I think. Somewhere around there. It was it was the dark times. The dark times. Yeah, where all my comic books got stolen. That's but, not fun. Yeah. And so like I had all the Sandmans and Lucifers. I recently got all my Sandmans back in a nice box Damn. set. That, that's expensive. <laughs> that takes a while to get yeah. all, all the Sandman collection. Yeah, it was it was a few hundred, but uh <laughs> <laughs> and I'm working on getting my Lucifer back. But like anything Dark and evil, mystical, magical. That's what I read. Yeah, that's awesome. I that's and that's that's what's so like interesting to me is because I like I said I I read you know I was always like superhero comics and it took you know probably at least ten or fifteen years before I actually like looked at other you know non superhero stuff and started reading you know like random like Vertigo series especially. Yeah. No. I. I would see superheroes. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> and fables. She was too high. I read a lot of fables. <laughs> fables. I've I've heard fables is so good. I keep wanting to read it, and it's just like been sitting in my reading list for years. Yeah, I I started it two weeks ago. Really? I just never got around to it. Yeah, that's how I am too. You know, and I'd always see it, and I always think, well, I mean, that might be interesting, but I didn't really have. I didn't really pay attention to what it was mm -hmm. and as soon as i found out it was like all the fables are real living in america i was like oh fuck it. I, you know i gotta read that it's american gods the comic book exactly yeah, exactly <laughs> well I, I hope i hope that both bill willingham and freaking neil gaiman get some sort of royalty check and apology letter every single week from the people who make once upon a time because holy oh, rip off yeah I, seriously i lasted 15 minutes watching that and oh like, i'm done I yeah can't, i can't do it i wanted to smash my head against a wall trying to <laughs> freaking watch that show that was so bad it's horrible they just like took the ideas from both of those books and mashed them together and then threw them in a freaking meat grinder hmm. and just spat out whatever they found yeah. i never watched it yeah oh. don't I don't, I don't. Yeah, it's not worth it. It is absolutely not horrible. Worth it. Horrible. Ugh. 
So I'm, I just I just remembered my first superhero comic was not Marvel Comics Presents. <gasps> Gasp! I know. My first. That's a liar. My first superhero comic was a uh, UPC mail-in. You know those? They used to do those like you chop off fifteen UPCs yeah, yeah. from Charleston Chews. Ooh. Oh, I was craving those earlier today. There you go. Um, and I received in the mail a West Coast Avengers. Oh, yeah. Where they go to Darkon's, I think it's Darkon, and they go to his, like, circus universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you're, you're throwing me off with your... I'm sorry. You're <laughs> pouring a liquid. It was... Um, <laughs> They so go there. They go to an amusement park, and then it's then they like go to like I, th- I don't remember the, the villain's name. They go to his like evil amusement park and mm-hmm. have to like fight off his elemental beings he created, the four elements. Oh wow! Yeah, and then they go back, and then like the last couple scenes are like all the West Coast Avengers riding a roller coaster together. <laughs> <laughs> That is so West Coast Avengers. <laughs> it's like Hawkeye, and I can't remember who else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad that like we had the West Coast Avengers and the Justice League International were kind of at inter- intersecting times, and it was just like the screw off versions of both teams. <laughs> just like, oh hey, here's a bunch of randomly assembled guys that kind of suck as a team, but they're really fun to watch sometimes. Here you go. Well, no, I mean, West Coast Avengers was, I mean, it was Hawkeye and Vision and Scarlet Witch, and, I mean, it was still solid characters. Yeah, no, they were solid characters. I do see what you're saying. Yeah, they were just, like, the the more lighthearted and and Mm fun-having of the teams. Yeah. And that's how, like, with Justice League International, they started it. The first six issues were actually just Justice League, and then they decided, like, okay, this is, like, super, like, this is going down, like, a very different road than we intend for our regular Justice League title, so they just threw the international tag on it and then created a different Justice League line. And the Justice League International was, like, the most random assemblage of characters ever. It was, like, you had Batman there for just for readership and legitimacy, obviously, so that people would actually pick up the book. Mm-hmm. But then you had, like, Guy Gardner, the ginger bullcut Green Lantern with, like, the weird military vest thing going on. Super weird guy, but I actually love him. Okay. Because he's ginger, mostly. But uh, okay, I'll yeah, allow it. Yeah, of course. But then you had like uh, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, who have the greatest bromance in the history of comics. By the way, um, if anyone ever wants to read a good bromance story, just read anything with Blue Beetle and Booster Gold because it's all golden. All I, of it. I live for bromances. Right? It's no. they. The buddy cop movie of Blue Beetle and Buster Booster Gold would be the best movie that DC could ever create in the history of ever. Because I would watch it <laughs> enough times for it to make way more money than any other movie ever (laughs) i would watch it all day every day go broke buy thousands of credit card or sign up for thousands of credit cards and just ruin my life watching that movie but (laughs) that hardly seems worth it but it doesn't seem worth it but it is great but then you had like the stories of of uh martian manhunter being addicted to cookies to, to chocolate chip cookies is that like a real thing? That is actually real in continuity because of Justice League International. And so they, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, try to make him go cold turkey. So they buy every single cookie in the entire city. 
Okay, now I have to, make to read him go it. cold turkey. It's amazing. <laughs> I have the first trade of it. I'm I'm trying to get the collection. It's so goofy and weird. Like the first six issues, editorial was like really kind of restrictive on them. Of like, oh no, this is our Justice League title, so you can't be as wacky or whatever. But then like issue seven hits, and after that it is just all like it's like real life Justice League or whatever. You know, like the real life reality yeah. shows or whatever. It's like a Justice League reality show. It's the weirdest thing, but I love it. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's like. I, I guess I almost, need it. It's like almost like, like the office. It. It's so great. And I, I got it. I got the first trade on, uh, on eBay for like 10 bucks or something like that, or maybe even less. And it's like, I think eight issues or nine issues. So it's, it's good stuff. I absolutely love it. It, it gave me my, my love for a lot of those goofier DC characters, but it wasn't until recently that I read it. And I'm really glad that I did. Cause it's awesome. <laughs> But nothing, nothing like Martians with cookie, addi- cookie addictions. So, what, what was your, I guess you know, like let's take your your entire, let's let's go first, you know, five or six years reading comics. What was the storyline that you remember the most vividly of of those first years reading comics? Uh, well, I remember my first. Real dive into, oh, I, I'm going to collect comics so I can read arcs was Maximum Carnage. Maximum Carnage. Yeah. Um, and they had, <clears throat> when I lived in Jackson Hole, we would go to the local little grocery store and they had a little, you know, one of those old school comic racks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'd get the, you know, wait every, go every month and try to figure out which Spider-Man run had the next issue because mm-hmm. it would, kept jumping. It was, you know, superior and then amazing and then web of, and then just plain Spider-Man. There were a lot of Spider-Man titles back then. Oh yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's the first big sort of like arc storyline that I remember following, but I don't know. In the early days I didn't, wasn't following arcs as much. I wasn't mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah. Rachel who was doing, <laughs> you know, read all of Constantine and read all of this and that. Because a, a lot of what I was reading was, you know, still the same. I mean, Tales from the Crypt. Hey, we only had a gas station, so when I would actually get no, to no, go to I'm the store, I'm not saying that's a, I'm not saying I that's stock a, up. It's like, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying that's it. a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I mean, I'd get most of my comics from the library. You could, you could check out comics from the library. Yeah. I know. When I first discovered that, it was like the best day of my life. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a library. Oh yeah, you lived in you lived in Podunk. Yeah. Podunk Town, USA. Like we literally only had a gas station, and <laughs> to like get anything, we'd have to go up to Spanish Fork. So from hmm. Spring City. Yeah. That's how long of a drive is that? It's about two hours. Two fucking hours. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Holy hell! I'm like mad when I have to drive like longer than ten minutes to get to a store that I want to go to. <laughs> oh, two hours. That's annoying. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I was kind of bits and pieces for for my first few years. I uh, I basically only read Teen Titans and Batman for like the first probably probably my first two years, which is Teen Titans and Batman. And I had the the fortune of you know when I when I did pick up a Batman issue, it was right in the middle of Batman Hush, and so I was like, holy shit! It was Jim Lee doing the art on it. And it's so like my first ever Batman story is like this amazing art that has like 15 different Batman villains in the, in the 
issue itself and it's got this trifold cover that has like all you know like batman robin nightwing all of his allies like on this huge rooftop and it's all jim lee's art and so i'm like is this what batman comics always look like what the combination of that and then teen titans that had mike mccone doing the art which i really liked his art on that series and so it's like it just sort of drew me in and i had uh it was it was funny like my my parents were divorced and my dad lived like a block away from a, a comic book store and he would have dates fairly often. And so when I would have my nights over at his house and, and he had a date over when those would kind of intersect, he would just give me five bucks and, and have me go and find something to entertain myself with for a few hours. And so I would just walk down the street. I'd, I'd go to the gas station and grab like a bottle of Mountain Dew and then right around the corner to the comic book store, grab an issue of either Teen Titans or Batman or whatever. And, go park myself on the bench that was across from the bar and, and read some comics while I watched people stumble and stagger and yell at each other and hug each other and <laughs> whatever else would go on on any given night. It was, it was a fun time, but yeah, I, it was, it was very staggered in like the storylines. And so you'd pick up one story and be like, okay, I have no idea who this guy is. That's all of a sudden here. And then there's this going on and I guess he's trying to find this person or something. I don't know, but there's colors and action and fighting. So it's great. Hmm. That's, and I'm, I'm assuming that's probably how it was reading maximum carnage or, or a lot of those stories, or I guess maximum, you said maximum carnage was the first story that you, that you got front to back. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No. And then I, and then I, <clears throat> then I, I didn't read a lot of Marvel in the nineties. Um, which is probably a good thing. Which is, yeah. I'm okay with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but then I got into comics. Like I read a lot of alien comics. Nice. Um, they weren't great, but I was a kid and I, yeah, yeah. you know, had aliens and predators in them. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, but I did get the, there was the, uh, the first Deadpool solo, uh, from 93. I got all four of those as a mini series. That's and, cool. And so I got really into, you know, Deadpool cause he was so cool. Yeah. Was that and that was I'm assuming Liefeld art? No, uh, it was. Um, I can't pronounce the guy's last name, but Fabian Nicias or whatever. Is oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. I have no idea how to say it either. He wrote it, <laughs> and he was one of the you know him and Liefeld were the creators. Yeah, yeah. And so he wrote this run, but it was not Liefeld art. Oh, okay. The art's pretty good. Really. And the cover had that embossed like. Oh yeah. yeah, the '90s thing. Yeah, that was pretty Ooh. cool. I, lo- I love all the weird covers they did in the '90s. Yeah, holographic and foil and yeah. But when um, shoot, what's his? I can't remember his name. But when X Men number one came out, Jim Lee. And, it was uh, Jim Chris Lee. Claremont. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yep. Claremont. Yeah. Um, Jim Lee, man, he sucks you in. I kept. I said Jim Lee in my head, and I was like, I can't be Jim Lee. But totally is. You're right, it is. Highest selling comic of all time. Exactly, yeah. So that when that came out, that like dove me into X Men for a long time. Oh yeah. But but, um, no, I read a lot of. um, I mentioned it on an earlier podcast. Mm -hmm. The the, uh, Age of Reptiles series. Yeah, Ricardo Delgado. Yeah, you had me. You had me look at that actually the other day when I was looking through your comics. That's right. Yeah. So those were. You know, dear to me, and I love those, and mm-hmm. I read those a lot. Um, you sound like you're like from from what I've been able to gather about you in in the in the time that I've known you. You seem like you are very into dinosaurs. <laughs> I, I, I was just just a hunch. Surrounded by yeah. dinosaurs. There's literally thirty dinosaurs in this room, at least. 
Um, yes, I do like dinosaurs. And dinosaurs. Uh, and yeah, so having a comic book about dinosaurs was great. Oh yeah, yeah I used to read the old Dino Riders comics in the eighties. Dino Riders and Never Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. I read those oh, yeah. too. They're basically dinosaurs. Well, like dinosaurs with shells, you know, because they're overgrown and all muscly and scaly. And I don't know. And I always, I always had a thing for anthropomorphic animals like Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> Hell yeah. And the turtles, I guess, too, and whatever, all of the whole thing. But yeah. um, there's nothing not to love about the T- TMNT. No. No, you're right. No, but honestly, I mean. <laughs> <clears throat> No, I mean, and just to, to, I don't know, to bring it back, all yeah. the old Tales from the Crypt, and there was another series, and, and I'm completely blanking on the name right now, but it was the same sort of horror. Mm-hmm. That was my bread and butter. Yeah. What was it What was it that, that drew you to that? Well, there were retellings of, of either classic, you know, the classic universal monsters, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, whatever, anything, zombies, I, honestly pick something that's horror related and they made yeah. comics out of it uh and they were dark you know i was sort of like rachel that was dark i liked dark twisted stuff <laughs> and i liked really like light-hearted dinotopia stories i mean dinotopia not that it's a comic almost uh-huh. was because it's art and text yeah um and i read those a lot too that's awesome but no i mean i didn't really start diving into going absolutely bananas reading superhero mm-hmm. going crazy in marvel until joss whedon's x-men run amazing x-men that should'll hook you and then i started and then i started reading that and then it just went completely full bore yeah yeah and so then i've you know now i've pretty much read everything since then that that's sort of and i also feel like that was the shift in marvel when that comic was released and or roughly around that era when it's marvel started to really coalesce and to become something a little bit more interesting yeah it was in the 90s where it was just a hot mess yeah i think around like around the time that grant morrison took over new x-men the thing the thing with morrison's run on x-men is that it was definitely a little too weird for a lot of people and so like it was like it had all this the elements that Joss Whedon brought back in his Astonishing X-Men run because he was a huge fan of Morrison's New X-Men. Mm-hmm. And so Morrison like he was on New X-Men I think for 2 or 3 years, like really long run. And he like he had, you know, super awesome stories that just got really weird at times and then mm-hmm. by the end of his story he like had kind of taken it to a super strange place and then marvel like tried to backtrack after they kicked him off of x-men so like oh no let's go and focus on these members that aren't as weird right now and then when joss whedon said he would come on and and do astonishing x-men he's like all right i'm gonna do it and i'm gonna go straight back to morrison yeah and he he kind of took it and he took the elements of it but then made it a lot more like he did the you know the whedon thing of, Mm -hmm. of making them very you know i guess characters that you can see yourself in you know the the sarcastic dialogue the uh very you know emotions on their sleeve type of of characters that i guess really draw people in and that's joss whedon's bread and butter and i think that was the perfect combination of taking the weirdness and the the deep comic book uh roots of of what grant morrison always writes and then applying it you know with sort of a a pop culture filter of of you know tv writing Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a perfect storm with weed and he was that astonishing X-Men run is, is freaking awesome. Oh, that's great. And I think, and I think that's how, how superhero comics will hook a lot of people is that you get a story that 
is done very well. You know, you get a, a great combination of artist and writer and they, they make you fall in love with those characters so that when eventually it goes to a different writer, you still see the characters that you love, you know, even if the writer's not up to par and, and a lot of times they are, but a lot of times they're really not. And so even when the writer's not up to par, you still see those characters that you initially kind of grabbed hold of and, and hooked on. And so it'll kind of keep you through even, even pretty bad runs. Oh, totally. And, and, and you, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that's, that's when I started noticing Marvel's art as something I was interested in also mm-hmm. looking at. Yeah. You know, because I mean, there, it's not that, like I didn't read comics in that gap. You know, I still, I got really into the, all the whole 2099 stuff when that came out in like 95. <laughs> That's like, it's actually pretty solid stuff. Like, it's not bad. No, yeah. it's not bad. It's not, some of them are pretty bad and some yeah. of them are all right. Like some the are, Punisher 2099 was interesting, but like Spider Man 2099 was. Spider Man 2099 was good. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> That's how I'm going to say it from now on. This one, uh, <laughs> and that was that. That actually holds up. And like you know, most '90s Marvel stuff you're reading, you're like, "Holy shit, what was I thinking?" Reading this, but no, there's some bad. I mean, I, I read the Generation X, which was not great. It was like the, the new X Men team. And, yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. I love that time where they had like so many X titles. There was like X Statics and Generation X and uh, X Statics was good. Yeah, X Statics. X Statics was. Actually, that's funny that you mentioned that. So when I, I, after high school, when I was, you know, there's a pretty big gap where I was, I read, I read books, 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 but I didn't read a lot of comics. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I moved in with a guy and he was like, Oh, Hey, remember comics? And I was like, yeah, I love comics. (laughs) Hey, remember comics? He's like, check out all these awesome comics that you've probably never heard of. Uh. And so he introduced me to, uh, both Miller's, or like just, I guess you could just blanket Frank Miller. Yeah, he loved Frank Miller, Daredevil and Batman. No, Sin City. Oh yeah. So okay. when I so then I read Sin City and I was like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. This is art that I've never seen before, story I've never seen in a comic book before. Yeah. Uh, and that and then I just went down the the Miller hole and I did Daredevil and I did Dark Knight and really liked Dark Knight. Daredevil was quite good and also i was just sort of unfamiliar at the time with everything with daredevil so i was like mm. i'm not quite sure what's going on but whatever. yeah yeah but anyway and then i went down the whole game and hole and then i went down the hole so neil gaiman did Wish i went down the game and hole yeah <laughs> oh zing uh, <laughs> sex joke things that come out of my mouth whoa, <laughs> whoa speaking of those well because i'd already yeah, read all of his novels and so it's time to you know it's time to read his comics yeah of course, I I get so pissed when people talk about how much they love Neil Gaiman and haven't fucking read Sandman. Yeah, Sandman's great, right? Doesn't that infuriate you? It makes me like, so mad. You piece of crap! You are human. You are human feces. How could you not appreciate that? Right? If you love him. Like that's. I, I don't understand. It's the only reason you know who he is. <laughs> if it weren't for Sandman, you wouldn't know who Neil Gaiman was at all. So you. Well, no, because I didn't. I knew all about all of his novels. Well, what I mean know. is, like his his novels, though, because the first thing that he actually wrote that was a published work was Sandman. Oh no, I know. And but, so what I'm I, saying but is, but I only knew him from his novels for years until I. Oh yeah, because I just didn't know he had written Sandman. Well, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like the only reason that people know of his novels is because of Sandman. 
because Sandman happened, and so then he was able to write those novels. Oh, oh I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah and sure. so it's like the genesis of, of that author that they love. They're not even going back to read because it has pictures. Yeah. Um, Highbrow English majors. But no, but then I went down, you know, the Alan Moore hole and sort of like kind of went back through and caught up on all the really critical, critical, like, you know, 101 read these comics. Oh, yeah. Um, that's Spawn. I did. I went, you know, I read a hundred plus issues of Spawn. Spawn. And it's, it's surprising to me when I, like when I talk to people, you know, and I'll tell people about, oh yeah, I'm a huge comic book fan, yada, yada. It is surprising to me how many people have not read any comics apart from Spawn. Well, I, Spawn it's got a random so one that gets thrown out. Popular though. Yeah, that's strange. It was kind of like kind of like the Adam West Batman TV show, where like it was super big for like a very short amount of time. You mm-hmm. know, it was just like the biggest thing out there for like two years, and mm-hmm. then after that, it just kind of faded back into obscurity. It yeah, it's true. But like, I, so many people, yeah, just like Spawn somehow was their their foray. You know, not Superman or, or X Men or Spider Man or anything. It's freaking Spawn. Was that? It was because HBO did that animated show. That's true. That's which true. Was, that which was quite good. Yeah, I like that. that. Oh, and the Max. The Max was super good. The Max. You're talking Marvel Max? No, M A X X. The the Max. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't either. What is it? Jeez, guys, get with the program. No, jeez. Sorry. We do a comic book. The podcast Max. Oh man, you guys got to read the Max. The Max is freaking great. What's it about? Oh, God, it's been so long since I read it that I don't remember much of it. But it was like, he's the, the big, setting. He's the big purple dude that can like has like knives that come out of his fists, and he's like like Wolverine. No, like one purple like Wolverine? triangle blade that comes out, and he's like shit. I can't remember. But the whole world is surrounded by these little white demon like guys that are just big mouths on their faces, and they eat everything. And <laughs> That's, I mean, you've you've got me sold right there. So there was a cartoon. HBO did a cartoon of the Max, and then it was also a comic series. Huh. The Max was super good, and I don't. I I think it was Image. I think it was printed by Image. I can imagine if it was that weird and it was like in the nineties, then it had to have been Image. <laughs> yeah, seriously, like no one else would have published it back then. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, read the Max. The the Max is awesome. I'll have to look that shiz up. That was good. That's uh, cool. <laughs> I like how uh, I I randomly decide to censor myself, so just take that for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I mean, so those are the ones that got me really kind of like, oh, there's there's comics that are fun to read, like the Marvel, all the Marvel runs, and then there's yeah. artwork that's just a sheer joy to and experience. Yeah, yeah. Not saying that Marvel doesn't have that, but Mar- you know, I would say that there's a pretty huge chunk of Marvel that's just fun to read for stories and not really. Oh, definitely. Up to par with stuff that, you know, quality literature. Yeah. Well, I think especially in the 90s, because Image was pulling all of the talented artists, you know what I mean? Like they, the, the, the really the profit sharing and everything, the, the amount of compensation people could get by going over to Image in the 90s, especially the artists, which is what they were focusing on was, was huge. And so you had the, you know, the Jim Lees, Rob Liefeld, uh, uh, Todd McFarlane, Eric Larson, you know, like you should take Rob Liefeld out of talented artists. He, okay. Yeah. I shouldn't say talented, but <laughs> Matt, popular. Matt and I have had this discussion. He wasn't. Yeah. No, I, I don't by any stretch of the imagination think that Rob Liefeld is, is super talented, but he was popular at the time. He's extremely popular. And so he was a big name. He was, he was in Levi's commercials. Have you ever seen that video on YouTube of Stanley and Rob Liefeld and Rob Liefeld's drawing a character? <laughs> And Stanley's talking. It was like a promo for Marvel or something. Yeah. And then he like he draws the character, and then Stanley's like, 
since I told you to put some like pouches on his arms, we co-created the character together, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, and on on the video, he says that to him, and it's like, that oh, a, buddy, that was a subtle diss. That's good. That's good, Stanley. I like you. Well, no, it wasn't a diss. It was the fact that Stan. I think it was a. I think it was Stanley being Stanley in the sense that like he'll tell an artist to do something and then claim creatorship. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's how Spider-Man, that's how Jack Kirby's not the face of Marvel. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> I, I actually just, or barely, Ditko. Yeah, freak. I just barely did a report uh, actually about the founding days of, of Marvel. I'm, I'm in school right now. And so I, I did a, like a six page report on, on Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and, and the amount of, you know, by all accounts, how much freaking work they did to create those characters. And like, oh, yeah, the difference between them like jack kirby on all of his his panels that he would lay out and, and send in to stan he would have not only like so stan would basically send him something as little as we need a sci-fi story or yeah. something like oh, that yeah. and then he would draw out the entire thing put the dialogue bubbles in you know like the speech bubbles and everything and then in the gutters and or in the sides of the panels he would actually write dialogue all around so that it wouldn't actually get printed but basically dialogue suggestions would be covering the outside and and in between the panels of what jack kirby thought they should be saying and stan would basically just kind of tidy it up because because jack kirby wasn't a wordsmith and kind of the same way with ditko too it's just like so much of the work was done by them but then he was created or credited as the writer and creator so dumb yeah no i did i just listened to a uh, history of marvel oh audiobook. so good that's such a good book i love that book and uh pretty eye-opening yeah it's it's super interesting i love hearing um some of the people that like have done so much research on it are uh grant morrison uh neil adams and alan moore actually knows crap tons about the the origins of, of dc and marvel it's it's actually surprising with how much of like a counterculture guy that alan moore is that hates everything <laughs> like he'll yeah but he did a bunch of work for marvel no yeah he did he did a bunch of work for marvel and for dc but like he wasn't in comics at the time that this was all going down so he had to go back and research all of it and and the amount of research that he's done about it you know like mm-hmm. the people that he's talked to and stuff that that he's found out all this stuff from yeah. it's like it took a lot of you know actual devotion to doing that because it wasn't until you know the the 80s that he even came over to the U.S. That's true. And so it's and same with Grant Morrison and and Neil Adams even wasn't in comics until you know 10 years or so after Kirby. But they you know I mean and Neil Adams Neil Adams is a huge reason why even the cre- creators of Superman are credited as the creators of Superman because they originally weren't at all. Yeah. But it was because Neil Adams like you know started a, a movement to get them compensated and credited for creating them that that we even know the names or well i guess we the names of jerry siegel and joe schuster are put in any credits you know um but yeah it's it's i love i love researching that stuff because it's such an interesting business the way it started we should have we should have a drinking game for our podcasts where how many times does jason say uh, every time jason says grant morrison take a drink (laughs) every time Uh. jason says jim lee take a drink or Jeff Johns. Jeff, Jeff Johns, Johns. That was oh, the one, yeah. yeah. Every time Jason says, Jeff Johns, take a drink. <laughs> That's th- Those three dudes actually probably account for <laughs> like 75% of my of my references. But no, I, I love them. I, I will never apologize, especially for loving Jeff Johns and Grant Morrison. Jim Lee I can sometimes get a little bashful about because there are some things that I'm embarrassed of with Jim Lee, but it's still I still love them. 
I'm all for the Grant Morrison love, though. Yeah, right? If you, you just listen to one interview with Grant Morrison and try not to fall in love with him. He's got that Scottish oh, accent hearing going. Hearing him talk about Superman. Right? Fuck, Superman's awesome. Yeah. I, tell me all about it, Grant Morrison. He can make any character interesting. <laughs> he really can. He made, I mean, if you read his new X-Men, he like made a point to make the dumbest X-Men interesting. And it's the same with any DC book he's done. I mean, his his Superman stuff has been awesome, especially All-Star Superman. Holy shit. Um, but no, then, you know, Dick Grayson is Batman, Damian Wayne. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You you need you need to get some Grant Morrison in your life. Oh, I've Matt. had plenty of Grant Morrison. I don't haven't read any of the DC stuff, but <sighs> you're missing out, man. Am I? Yeah, you really are. I think you are. Because yeah, he, I don't know. He pre, like he because he Grant Morrison works really well in. I know. <laughs> and you're drunk. <laughs> Take <right>. a drink. <laughs> he he works really well in in the space of of like you know mythology or, or it's sort of the the evolution of, of these American comics and the steps that these characters go through. He's one of those creators that really tries to include everything, you know, and, and it's something that's shared by guys like, uh, Peter Tomasi and, um, I'm blanking on the name, uh, Bendis freak, uh, ben, like, you know, kind of including the past of, of tons of characters and just like giving, giving them all aspects that their personality has ever had in the comics and making sense of it in a chronological and, and cohesive way where the Adam West Batman and the Frank Miller Batman can be the same person. And that's, that's, it's the most interesting thing that he does. I think. Sure. No, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I'm just, I'll, I'll, there's so much, there's so much to read. Yeah. That <clears throat> with the amount of Marvel I read and like, and actively enjoy mm-hmm. continue reading, or going back and reading old stuff. Yeah. Plus the independent runs, the the non-shared universe stuff like, um, you know, now I'm doing Fables, but I did, uh, you know, Why the Swamp Last Man thing. just, re- last just man. recently. No, Swamp Thing's DC connected. I guess. Oh, loosely. totally. Constantine's in it. Well, yeah, but Constantine's a Vertigo guy. I mean, not until the New 52 was Constantine a, a DC guy. That's oh, true. really? Yeah, because yeah. they kept Vertigo and DC pretty separate. OG Swamp Thing from yeah. the early yeah. 80s. The yeah, Vertigo which was, was yeah, it was Vertigo. Oh. Vertigo published Swamp Thing up until got 2011. It. Okay, got it. Um, Walking Dead, you know, like, oh, oh just, yeah. Just, just uh, those are the, between those two, that fills up a huge chunk of my reading time. So once I get, I guess, once people stop, Either I catch up or people stop making really good comic runs, then I can go d- dive into DC. <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably just plant a couple of Grant Morrison trades somewhere in your house. That's fine. I mean, I'd, I'd read them. <laughs> That's what he did to me. Yeah, just, I actually did. <laughs> so and I read them, and I'm I'm on the last one now, but it's ginormous, so it's it taking huge. me a bit. Yeah. No. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah I I love those those things. Um, but it's it's kind of interesting that when you brought up Walking Dead, it reminded me of of another series that Robert Kirkman created called Invincible, and that's it. Just you know a character that again like one of those that kind of resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for the reason that he you know Robert Kirkman is kind of that guy that's always trying to be different than the rest of the industry, mm-hmm. and so he's allowed. Uh, Mark Grayson or Invincible, he's allowed him to over his, I think they're on issue 115 or 16 now, over the course of those over 100 issues, he's allowed him to grow with the time that he exists in, you know, and so he starts out as a teenager in high school and he has consistently been getting, you know, older in his life and because of his 
he like he writes in these tropes but it like explains comic book tropes. So he's like, it's like, Oh yeah. So because of, you know, he's like half alien, kind of like Superman, they combine mm-hmm. like this Spider-Man, Superman creature or whatever. Um, he's like, because of your half alien origins, you, you age like a normal person when you're, you know, going through puberty and stuff. And then once you hit about 30, your aging process slows down a ton. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, he's like, you'll probably live for a few hundred years in your 30, you know, 30 through fifties type thing and it's just like explaining the comic book trope of why superman never gets old but hmm. applying it to their character so that it actually makes sense but he still kind of goes through life of you know with like oh his mom keeps getting older because she's human you know what i mean and so she's she's going from like that young you know mother like kind of getting up into her aunt may years and like stuff like that you know just the the really i don't know where you can watch life kind of happen around him and watch him deal with that and, and keep evolving. Whereas with, you know, a lot of these other characters, they kind of keep getting reset back to where they were. It is kind of nice to have a superhero that you can keep, you know, growing and stuff. Kind of like Spider-Man was up until, you know, they, they did away with his marriage. Right. Where it was like, awesome. You know, like this dude's freaking like, he's, he's growing, you know, there's, there's a guy that I've sort of grown up with or whatever. And I'm seeing him move into this new phase of life. Yeah, that's pretty much where I stopped. I mean, no, that isn't the right word. I haven't stopped reading Spider-Man. Got disinterested. No, because it got interesting again. Like, they sort of, I think the backlash against that and how disappointed people were, that they sort of started to filter old elements of Peter Parker's life back into him, and it got interesting again. But that's that was, that was pretty much... And for me, it's like... That comic <clears throat> where Aunt May dies or whatever, mm-hmm. I feel like that should have been Peter Parker dying. If you're going to have such a dramatic thing, kill Peter Parker in the run. Yeah. Because you've had this character and he's grown so well. And, uh, you know, yeah. don't do this ugh, crappy retcon, like, <laughs> crappy, like, reset. Yeah. I know. I, I feel he's like. A teenager again. It's like, oh, God, you fuckers. For a long time, it was like, you know, on in, on the Marvel side, you had Peter Parker, and on the DC side, you had, you had Dick Grayson. And, like, for the longest time, they just couldn't stop having shit happen to them, you know, like, or, like, around them and everything, you know, everything in their lives was just, like, destroyed over and over and over again. And you're just like, why can't this dude catch a fucking break? Like, Jesus. Just let him be for a little while. Just I'm okay. I'm okay with him. Like having. I mean, obviously, that's what what is what keeps the comic sort of interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's when it's like such dramatic universe shifts. Yeah, you know, like Doc Ock takes his brain or whatever. All the crazy things they've done with Spider Man over the past, I don't know, five or six years to try to like keep him interesting. Yeah, and it's just all in all, so I think it ends up failing the character. Yep. Yeah, and I think, and it's the same exact thing that happens with Dick Grayson. It's it's like the the parallels are always there with with Spider Man or with Peter Parker and with Dick Grayson because like they've kind of gone through like at the same times they sort of aged to like a new step of their life. You know, with with Dick Grayson, a lot of it was like you know changing names or or moving to a different city or whatever. And with Spider Man, it was like you know new costume or getting married or Aunt May dying even like. And, you know, now you've got Spider-Man where he just barely got out of Doc Ock's mind. And you've got Dick Grayson where he's, you know, everyone thinks he's dead and he's a secret agent instead of being Nightwing or whatever. And, like, you know, thankfully, a lot of the times, you know, there's there's good creators behind it. And so even when they go to a weird place of the story, it works pretty well. 
But then there is a lot of other stuff that just derails and and I feel like they're pretty derailed right now. Yeah, at least well, because you know I live six months in the past because mm. I do the just I just Marvel do unlimited. unlimited, yeah, smart way to go. It's cheap and it doesn't take up any space. Yeah, um, just takes up imaginary space in the cloud in my in my imagination space in my head. Yes, in my mind's eye. <laughs> um, but then right now is it, it's that like right in the middle of that whole Spider Verse thing where there's like every oh, single yeah. Spider Man from every single universe is like getting together and it's just like, come on guys, it's <laughs> so dumb. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting after Secret Wars because they they announced that the new so the new Spider Man series um, after Secret Wars the main Spider Man series is actually going to be Miles Morales. Yeah, because he's right now the well six months right now is. Uh, the new X-Men are in Miles Morales' universe. Yeah. The ultimate universe. Everything's like and colliding. I think they'll probably end up bringing him back. Yeah. Yeah, because they... It, it'll be interesting, like, having... Because it seems like what they're going to do is they're going to have Miles Morales, Peter Parker, and Gwen Stacy, Spider-Woman, all existing in the same world. Spider-Gwen. Very interesting. Yeah, well, she, she she's called Spider-Woman. Like, in the comics, they call her Spider-Woman, but then her series is called Spider-Gwen. Oh really? What happened yeah. to uh, Jessica? She's still Spider Woman as well. They're just on. They were on different worlds, so they didn't intersect. So now you'll have probably two Spider Womans. It's just one of them will have the series called Spider Gwen, like they do right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Spider-Man. I know it's super weird. I don't like that. It's well, it's no. odd, but I'm, I'm crazy about it. I'm okay with it. Well, I am interested to see where yeah. the direction it takes because there's a lot of the Marvel universe that I feel like is a real big mess right now. Yeah, I think that's mostly Hickman's fault. <laughs> it's like, hey guys, I'm going to do this five-year Avengers run, and it's going to be crazy, and you're going to turn it into a two-times-a-month series, and I'm also writing the other Avengers series, and we're going to have all these crazy crossovers every summer, and they're only going to be done by me. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it definitely has taken it to, to a weird place. I really, I like, I, I hope Hickman just takes a break or goes and does an indie comic or something after Secret Wars, because I'm really so... I'm I'm fine. I like I like his. I really like his writing. Mm. It's just it's lengthy. Yeah, and I like the general concepts of his stories. I think they're creative and unique. And if I wanted, if he kept to do something, you know, if he did something more in the future, mm-hmm. I'd like to see him tone both of those things down a little bit. Yeah, I, I just like. <laughs> I think he could have used more editorial oversight his writing you know like okay mm-hmm. we need to take this element out of it we need to compress this we need to take some of the dialogue out here type thing you know just sort of kind of whittle it down and and make it a little less like a marathon to read yeah oh totally because I, I dude i tried reading infinity man and i just i couldn't do it like i got i got about halfway into infinity and i'm, I'm like halfway through this this huge book and i'm like I literally have no idea what's going on. No, <laughs> at all. Infinity lost me real quick, especially because yeah. I'm reading them once a week. Yeah, you know, whenever the new ones get added, and I'm like, okay, hold on, I gotta remember what I read last week. Yeah, and they've got like all these weird disjointed chapters or whatever, and there's like one that'll be like two pages, and then another one that's like twenty pages or whatever, mm-hmm. with these weird divides that are totally arbitrary. And honestly, yeah. I went to the, I went, I picked the last issue up like the conclusion issue mm-hmm. and then read the synopsis and i was like okay that's pretty much what happened <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now i'm gonna read the rest of it great i finished it good job man yeah i know i almost like sometimes i'm just tempted to like 
go on Reddit or something like that and find like the discussion pages for each of the issues and be like, Oh, okay. That's what happened. Cool. Yeah, totally. Later. Yep. I think, I don't know. It's freaking, Oh, what, what do you guys think of crossovers in general? Like when you're, when you're reading a book, do you, do you like or dislike when you have to like go to another book to, to continue the story? Do you like that or not as much? I like it. Um, if it is relevant. Yeah. You know, uh, like I thought AVX was cool because you could go between what's going on with the X-Men, what's going on in the Avengers. And then they would have the AVX, uh, uh, run the, the, the main series run yeah. in which they would, when they would, you know, be fighting each other, be fighting each other basically. Yeah. yeah. So I think it works. What I think what's, what's frustrating is if you're collecting the comics and, paper Mm -hmm. you have to you know get that first one that's got the the uh the list in the back the the back page where you can actually like check mark reading order yes the reading list and if you're doing it digitally like i think with marvel unlimited what they should do is if you're actually reading a specific run Mm -hmm. they should have a hot you know a, a key that you can pick either continue to the next issue of this series or continue the next issue of the event yep and then I wouldn't care at all. Marvel, yeah, Marvel Unlimited, like, I, it's as far as, like, having a ton of issues there and, like, having, you know, most of their stuff, they do great. It's the, like, integration and the, the actual layout of it or, you know, the user experience that they really need to work on because there are a lot of things that are just really annoying about Marvel Unlimited. Dude, it was great when it first came out. And then they kept adding stuff on, and it's progressively gotten worse. Yeah, well, I I feel like great is a relative term with how it was when it first came out because like there were so many viewing problems with it, you know, like getting it to zoom in and like just getting super pixelated and and things like that. Mm, I never got too many experiences with that. Really, I did when I when I was first using it. It was always like anytime I tried to zoom in, it just got pixelated. I just remember there was not a like a, a finite amount of recently reds that. It, yeah, you could hold all of them. It would keep where you were in all the books, and then they lost that for a long time, and they recently put it back in. Yeah, I I freaking hated that. That's as soon like, as as soon as they got rid of recently read, I was like, you you got to be kidding me! This is yeah. impossible. I can't yeah. remember these things. So they have to have like a little journal. Of like I what know. Marvel comics did I read up? Limited. <laughs> then they like limit like what you can like add to your library and stuff. That's super weird. And like they only sort it by issue and not by series when you add it to your library. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's, no, it's I mean I, I wholeheartedly agree. They they could revamp that. Yeah. Make it a lot more user friendly and make it a lot more friendly for. Uh, for for crossovers or any oh, yeah. particular runs or whatever. I, I wish they would like integrate it with Comixology or something and just use their user interface for that. It's much better. That'd be freaking awesome. But yeah, I so what about you Rachel? What what's your general opinion on crossovers? I think it depends on who's in it. Yeah. And how much time I feel I want to invest. <laughs> Cuz normally if I have to like buy this and then, Oh, if I want to know this, I have to go buy this other thing. And then this happens over here on this other side. And I don't care. Yeah. Was there, is there like, have you, have you read many crossovers or are there some that you like, or are you generally, I actually just stay away from them because I'm see them as 
do I want to invest in this? Yeah. Probably not. That's kind of how well, I am, a, too. That's the thing with crossovers, is usually crossovers have the biggest dramatic effect moving forward in the universe. Yeah. Well, so like, like Secret Wars right now. Well, yeah, which I haven't even touched. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just mean because we know like the entire Marvel Universe is going to be different after Secret Wars. Okay, sure. But, you know, like... AVX with the with the culmination of Professor X dying, that's huge. Oh yeah. And like if you didn't read AVX then you're like, wait, Professor what X happened just- died? Yeah, <laughs> or or Civil War, you know? I mean Yeah, totally. So I think they're I think that's the tricky part is because some of them some of them are very unnecessary. Like I don't think you need to read uh, Annihilation yeah. to get anything out of the comics. So I mean that was the stuff with Juggernaut in there was kind of cool, but I mean, yeah, whatever. that's true. But some of them I do think are like I think Original Sin was a really good one, and I think Original Sin had. Uh, I heard Original Sin was way good until the ending. I liked it. I liked the ending, but I could see why people wouldn't. So. I haven't got to the end yet. I haven't gotten to the beginning yet. <laughs> gotten to the beginning. It's sort of the middle, but not the end. Yeah. I know, like, you know, the fallout from it as far as, like, what happens with, like, Cyclops and Bucky Barnes and all that stuff, but I, I don't know the actual event, and I'm sure at some point I'll go back to read it, but I'm, like, I'm still, especially right now with all the new DC stuff going coming out, I'm just like, oh, yeah, DC, 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 DC. You yeah, know, that, that's me. That bummed me out at the end of, <laughs> with the whole Bucky Barnes thing, because then they released the Winter Soldier run. Yeah. Where it's him having taken over the role of... Fury, old Fury, and doing his intergalactic space whatever stuff. Yeah. Did you read that series? I haven't read it at all. Oh, it's um, it's straight out of Starenko world. Really? So it's very psychedelic, very weird, and I am not into it. Really? It's. I bet it's super different than like. Because there was there was Bucky Barnes or the Winter Soldier, the Bitter March that they had right before it. No, dude, it's different than anything else other than Starenko's old Nick Fury <laughs> stuff. I mean, it is just weird. Yeah, and I like weird, but it's it's. I feel like it takes away from what could possibly be a pretty cool story. Really? Yeah, and I'm sure there's plenty of people who really like it. So yeah, it, it's very artistically creative, and I and I appreciate that. But it is weird that. You have like the Winter Soldier in that scenario, especially around the time the movie came out, because you'd think that they would want to kind of go in more of like an espionage direction with it. You know, I've thought about that. I've tried to sort of like see like, you know, what comics were happening around when the movies came out. And there's like, if you were into the movie, if you like went and saw the Guardians of the Galaxy, then you went and read the comic where they were at when the movie came out. It was like, yeah, it would make good sense. fucking luck. Yeah. There's no, I don't think there's any attempt to try to like tie the comics together with the movies in the, in the, in the sense of like uh, cross cross marketing. Yeah. Cause it's just, a, there's no correlation. Yeah, I know it's, it's super weird. And like, that's, that's one thing that I'm, I kind of like about DC is like DC won't with their publishing, they won't necessarily like alter, you know, the course of what's going on to match the movies, but they'll release like these, these collections of different stories. So like when man of steel came out, they released a Superman versus Zod collection. That was just like, you know, three or four different stories put together in one paperback. that were like Superman, you know, just stories with Superman and Zod. Um, 
and I kind of like that approach to it because it kind of gives you like a sample size for, you know, okay, this is what this villain is about or this, you know, relating to this storyline. And it would have been cool if they did that with Winter Soldier of like, you know, uh, the, the, you know, Captain America story that first introduced him. And then like, you know, the, you know, one of the arcs from the Winter Soldier solo series and then maybe the Bitter March or something at the end, you know, kind of have like a three different phases or something like that of sure. his life. I, I like seeing that type of stuff because it's great. You know, like if, if you know somebody that saw the movie and liked it, you can just be like, oh, yeah, go pick this up. It'll give you an awesome introduction. Oh, sure. I mean, could you imagine trying to go after Winter Soldier came out and dive into Rick Remender's Captain America run. Holy hell. And you're like, wait, he's in an alternate universe and he's getting old and he's got a son? Like, what the fuck is this Dimension on? Z? And now he, he has to go and freaking have Daredevil represent him in court against She-Hulk? What? Yeah, so, exactly. That's so weird. Yeah. Although that was super fun, having Daredevil and She-Hulk fight it out over I loved, Captain America in court. I love Rick Remender and I thought that Captain America run was great. Yeah. But, it was bizarre. But yeah, was, great. but in a good way. I like yeah. Re- Remender's bizarre is I really like. Yeah, no, I, I actually do like Remender. He's he and Hickman are similar in a lot of ways, but I think that the faults that Hickman has, Remender does very well. Oh, his X Force run is one of my all time yes. favorites. I really, dude, I'm still holding out hope that they're actually going to do an X Force movie because they, you know, I mean, they're introducing a lot of the characters that that could fit in, like Archangel and all obviously them, Deadpool, except for Phantom X. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm holding out hope that they'll do an X-Force movie. Because Fox is trying to capitalize as much as they can on the X-Men franchises right now. They're doing Apocalypse. They're doing another Wolverine movie. They're doing a Gambit movie. Like, I think, you know, and they're doing a TV show, actually. Or no, they're doing, it's actually ended up, they announced the New Mutants. And I can't remember if that was going to be a TV show or. It's a movie. Is, was it a movie mm-hmm. that they, okay. Because there, there was a lot of rumors that they were going to do a TV show for a while. Oh, but, I don't think we know what the New Mutants are going to be yet. Yeah, I, I don't think they've said which one, but either way, it's still connected to the universe. Or, like, yeah, which... which well, but are they going to do... Are they going to have, like, a new team, and that's going to be the new X-Men moving forward? No, because they, they, they gonna, still have the Wolverine movie slated for release, like, just before that one, and so I don't think it'll... Right, so is it going to be a whole brand new... All brand new characters? I'll like, bet. Is it going to be, like, X-23 instead of Wolverine, and... I think because so what from what the director said because um, it's the guy that did um, what was that uh, John Green book Fault in Our Stars the guy that directed that movie is the guy that's that's going to be directing this and he said it was you know really about kind of like a a, a younger group of of mutants or whatever so kind of like a Teen Titans for the X Men yeah so it's going to be X twenty three for sure yeah but, which is which cool awesome she's a badass. Way awesome. Although I, I don't know if they'll make that. I, I would be surprised if they made the character in the film as dark as it is in the comics. I don't know, man. Because with Fox, like Fox has has taken things pretty pretty dark. Like the the third Wolverine movie got pretty heavy. Yeah, but they like brainwashed her to kill one. her own mother and stuff. Like it's horrible. That's true. And I, I can't imagine they'd make an X Men franchise thing that would be that that fucked up yeah i guess we'll have to see because it would be cool i mean it would give another you know another reason why they got that guy to direct it because he directed a movie that was about kids falling in love that had cancer you know what i mean like he can he can he can do a positive outlook in in a dark situation fairly well i mean i think the movie itself was slightly flawed but i don't think it was in the directing i think it was in the script um but no, I, it'll be interesting to see how that goes and, and how much Fox expands their, their X-Men and Fantastic Four universe. Yeah. Because there's talks that as long as the Fantastic Four movie goes well, 
you know, they that they would do a crossover. Which is so completely unnecessary to me. It's unnecessary, but I think they're just trying to do the the you know, genre du jour right now that's just like share your universes. Yeah, but X Men and Fantastic Four. Yeah. Of all groups, of all like two, superheroes. well, it's all they have anymore, you know. <laughs> I know, but it's like, oh, man, come on, yeah, that is don't even bother. Yeah, I, I wouldn't make them cross over. Yeah, because it's just like have these guys go out in space and have these guys stay on Earth and deal with their civil rights issues. It'd be easy. Well, I mean, if they start doing, you know, like dimensional stuff, that could be kind of cool. But I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of I I, don't, I just like having the Fantastic Four stay out in space and do their own thing. Well, I guess you do in that sense. There are some sort of cosmic Marvel entities that that are in both of those worlds that could make an interesting. If they did like a Phoenix crossover, if they did the Dark Phoenix, if they story, did Dark Phoenix, they could do they could do a version of that with that. They could, I mean, they have the scrolls, so they could yeah. do some cool scroll stuff. Um, Silver Surfer, huh. I. Don't I know. I doubt this would be the case, but like, what if the free, what if they make the Phoenix Force give the Fantastic Four their powers in this movie? Wouldn't that be insane? Oh, that'd, <laughs> that'd be the worst. I honestly <laughs> might not mind it. It'd be different. It'd be unique. You know, I guess that's true. Like, they could pull gonna... it off, maybe. Like, I mean, if they could. Hey, sure. Why if, not? If they did it and they actually <laughs> made it cohesive, like, yeah, they're changing a lot of the source, but like, if they could make it cohesive and actually work. I might not mind it so much, you know, like, cause I mean, really it's not like getting blasted by cosmic rays is any better than getting hit by the Phoenix force. Yeah. But the Phoenix force wouldn't, the Phoenix force would never transform given powers other than fire stuff. So like, it's great for the torch and it's terrible for the other three. <laughs> There we go. Well, like, you know, Force, I'm going to give you water powers, Mr. Fantastic. They could, <laughs> they could alter. I mean, they could alter it a little bit. You know, I mean, we've seen Marvel studios take, you know, kind of liberties with what things can and can't do as far as, you know, with the infinity gems and things like that. They've kind of gone a different direction with that. And so I think as long as they, the spirit of, of what it is stays true. Yeah. But doesn't that ruin the spirit of the Phoenix force? Not necessarily, because it's it's this for you know like it, it encounters them and and it turns them into these crazy things and so if it actually you know takes somebody on as a host the the danger that that presents would be would be huge. Ugh, and it's gonna be Sansa Stark. Hey, I like her. She's whiny, but I like her. Oh, they had to get a redhead, and I mean, what other young redheads are there as actors? I don't know. There's Actresses. plenty. You can just dye their hair. Nope. <laughs> I'm sick of our gingers being taken away from us, Matt. We're supposed to fight for this issue. I'll fight for the gender, you know, revolution or whatever, but we'll skip Sansa Stark. <laughs> Man, you, you got beef with her, but I like her. I'll, I'll, I just don't think, I just don't think she's, I mean, I'm open. I've said it before. I'm open-minded, and if she plays a Jean Grey, great. Yeah. But I just, I only know her from Game of Thrones, and she's just, I don't like her at all. Her, yeah, well, I mean, her character is insanely whiny in that show, and so I think that, that affects it a lot. I don't think it's the fact that her character is whiny, because I think it's just she bugs me. Yeah, really? She bugs me, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Her face bugged me a lot more when she was younger, but I feel like she's grown into her face a little more over the years, <laughs> as weird as that sounds. But my, I honestly, my favorite casting in, in the new X-Men movie so far is Olivia Munn as, uh, as Psylocke. Well, yeah, I think every single... Nerd. 
nerd is pretty stoked about that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a full circle freaking attack of the show. If they brought in like Kevin Pereira as some sort of mutant, that would just be so great because Attack of the Show was my favorite thing ever. Do you think they're going to have her in her 90s costume or are they going to give her an updated, <laughs> that's, fully covered costume? I, I, I think she'll be covered. I yeah. don't think they'll have her parading around in that. I can't decide. Although they did have uh, um, Emma Frost in a pretty solid that's Emma true. Frost that costume. Is, January that Jones. is true. That, when, whenever, she, whenever January Jones opened her mouth in that movie, I couldn't stand it but whenever she was just standing there on camera i was like okay all right she's fine she's fine yeah she can stay (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know i like i half of me kind of wants them to keep her 90s costume with that insanely look like i think it would be awesome but yeah i doubt it 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 would be weird especially with the like with the the costumes or the production designs for the costumes that we've seen for the other people like archangel's costume looks freaking badass um you know and like having well i guess because they've got jubilee and jubilee is like wearing legitimate jubilee's costume like the jacket the shorts the pink shirt the sunglasses everything and we haven't seen a picture of monroe yet aurora but yeah she's bald she shaved her head. Oh, mohawk. Well, no. So the the actress shaved her head completely for a so mohawk wig. Maybe, maybe they'll make her completely bald, dude. I'm fine with bald, but I'd really be super stoked to see a mohawk. A mohawk would be sick. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be way sick. I, I'm I'm really excited. Like I'm I'm honestly glad that that Fox still has the X Men because what they're doing, like they've got Oscar Isaac playing freaking Apocalypse. That's so cool. Yeah. Oscar Isaac is one of my favorite actors right now. I just barely. Uh, Last night, I actually watched um, Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, he he got nominated for a bunch of stuff for that movie, but it was it was way good. And then you know, in Ex Machina, he was freaking fantastic. And he's gonna be Poe Dameron in the new Star Wars movie. And I'm I'm a, like, dude, X Men and Star Wars in the same year from that guy. No, I, and I agree. I think I'm, I'm pretty happy X Men. I, I think they're doing fine with the X Men. I don't I don't yeah. ask for more. I'm just crossing my fingers for Fantastic Four. And I think that, I think, you know, having Days of Future Past sort of like blanket reset. Yes. And now that they're making the film so much better, I just have high expectations for what they're going to be coming out with. That was the best possible way to do a reboot with Days of Future Past. Like, let's travel back in time and then establish a new continuity. Yay! Yeah, totally. Because, I mean, I'm super happy that Singer stuff got deleted. You mean the. Because this is Singer. I know, but his early, his earlier films are not great. Are you talking about X Men One and Two? One was okay. Two was pretty good. Three was the worst. Three wasn't him. That's right. He didn't direct it. Yeah, that, but, and that that was one of the reasons it was so bad because they gave Brett Ratner like two weeks to write a script for it. Oh, that's right. Anyway, yeah, I'm fine with him resetting all that stuff. Yeah, because I think I think it was Singer's choice because he was like, all right, let's just take away anything that I didn't do. So he's like, "All right, we're gonna take away, you know, or I guess with with first class, you have well, and open open up all the characters again. Yes, you know, like get the, get Make it so you younger. can, yeah, or just you know, be able to put them back in with a fresh eye, with a fresh eye. Yeah, you know, like I really liked the guy who played Nightcrawler, and I think the guy who is gonna play it in the new movies also looks awesome as Nightcrawler, yeah. and he'll probably do really good. One, well, I mean, one thing that Brian Singer has proven is that he's really good at casting." Yeah. Whether it was in the first two X Men movies, whether it was in Superman Returns, whether it was in the usual suspects, like he knows how to cast. 
And so, you know, most of these people, apart from Sansa Stark and Olivia Munn, are fairly unknown. But, like, I, I have no reason to doubt Brian Singer's casting ability because in all I the... Think, no, I think Olivia Munn is fairly unknown unless you're a super nerd who watched Attack, Attack of the, the Show. show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't know who she was. I never watched Attack of the Show. Yeah. I, I did. I, I've... Olivia Munn has been, like, a geek crush for a long time for me, so seeing her cast was like, yeah. Yeah. But I, uh, no, I, I, I'm really like, I'm confident because in, in X-Men, X-Men 2 and Days of Future Past, I don't think there is a single poor casting choice in any of those movies. You know, I mean, in, in the other ones like Origins and X-Men 3 and even First Class, like there's some ups or, you know, some kind of good or bad, but I hate the guy they cast as Iceman. Really? Sean Ashmore? Don't like him. I don't... As Iceman. Really? Not at all. He was my... Like, he That's was my, odd. One of my favorite parts of the, the first two X-Men movies was having Sean Ashmore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, man. I he does not... Him. He does not do Bobby Drake justice. Really? I no. don't, he's a big old softy. Bobby Drake is a wisecracking smartass. Yeah, I guess he's not... Well, like, I don't know. In and, X-Men 2, he was a little... He was a little wisecracky in x-men 2 mm. in x-men 3 they tore him apart but well and pyro is the worst <laughs> yeah 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 the one thing i thought like the the one saving grace with pyro i thought was the way that they did his costume in x-men 3 and that was about the only thing i liked about that movie at all was that they took like that ridiculous weird like pipe thing that he has in the comics mm-hmm. or whatever and they actually made like a cool version of it where he just has the spark on his wrist yeah that was like i think really cool that was a cool design choice for him but yeah everything else sucked about him in all three of those movies yeah i did like kelsey Grammer's beast yes <laughs> i i love kelsey Grammer's beast <laughs> i didn't so like good. anna paquin as rogue really no i actually liked her i no. kind of didn't either really no i did not i can understand why because i like her. rogue as an a, a mature adult yeah i i think it'll be interesting to see when they introduce Rogue in the new movies. And I want to see Rogue do that thing that she did at the end of... Uh, I don't remember what the event was, but when she just takes... When she just has, like, every, all the Avengers and mutants. I guess maybe it's just mutants. No, because she can... Anyway, she just takes everybody's she takes, powers. Yeah, she takes on, like, Captain Marvel's powers at some point, or Miss Marvel's powers. No, but it wasn't that. It was like... she. It was like... Anyway, the, the image of her was like... Had Colossus' skin with Wolverine's claws sticking out and Psylocke's little like butterfly purple telekinesis thing going on. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's and how Archangel's she... wings and she's just like super badass and goes and just fucks shit up and it's amazing. So I want to see that. Maybe that's how she's going to beat Phoenix, man. The Phoenix Force is going to take over. The Fantastic Four and the X Men will unite <laughs> and then she'll take on all their powers and be like, ah, suck it, bitch. Dude, that's always been my like that Rogue. The problem with Rogue has always been she. She has. She's sort of that MacGuffin in a sense, where it's like you just throw Rogue in there, and she probably could do pretty much anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. She can move. She can move the story in whatever direction you need it to go, which exactly. is good and bad depending on how it's written. Right. But no, I I think I bet you they introduce Rogue in the Gambit movie. I hope so. Because they they haven't announced any casting for her in Apocalypse, and Channing Tatum isn't going to be in Apocalypse. He's just going to be starting in his Gambit movie. Which means that they'll still, you know, they'll have other X Men continuity movies after that that include him. But it's, oh, and we get a new uh, 
Colossus and yeah. uh, Deadpool. And Deadpool. Yeah. Big Russian dude. Although which I really, is awesome. I did like the I, guy who yeah, played Colossus. The Oh, yeah, Daniel Cudmore. Yeah, I Even though he, he only good. had like four lines in the entire which franchise. such a jip to anyone who's a fan of Colossus like me. Yeah. I just I'm I'm glad that Colossus is actually a huge Russian dude no, in the that, new movie. Oh, that's <laughs> gonna be awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. And they like the dude's like six six, and they're making him even like ta- like a foot taller than that for the actual movie when when they do the CG. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he's gonna be giant. Nice. But uh, anyway, I I think we're really about it uh, at the end of our time. Was there anything else that you two wanted to bring up before we send this spaceship off into the sun? I don't think so. You don't think so? Well, all right. I I believe that that does it. I, I might. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to find a freaking sound effect to send us off with. Actually, maybe, maybe I'll send us off with a little song. Let's see here. I'm going to find a song. I'm going to find a song to send us off with. Come on. Come on. Come on. No, come I, on. I really have been enjoying Fables, and I think Fables is easily one of the best comic runs i've read in a long time if not one of the best i've ever read yeah i such a strong attachment to it after even such a brief period i'm i'm looking forward to checking fables out because i dude fables is incredible it's really powerful I, i quite like it i've been wanting to read it for so long i yeah I really, I really want to check it out because it just like the concept of it seems so awesome, and I love American Gods. I love the idea of what they tried to rip off in freaking. Uh, maybe maybe we can get you to read Dresden Files now because you can now that you found out that the comics exist. The <laughs> comics of it exist. That's so awesome. They they collected it in a in a hardcover omnibus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and so the comics, some of them are news stories and some of them are adaptations of the books yeah so you can That's get cool. you, can, you can I would honestly say read the first two com- read the first two books that have been adapted mm-hmm. into the comics and skip reading those books and start on the third book okay and you'll you'll be fine sounds good to me well I think that does it for this show today so uh, check us out on Facebook facebook.com slash savagelandpodcast uh, Instagram savagelandpod and Twitter at or Instagram savagelandpodcast and Twitter at savagelandpod and as always feel free to leave us uh, reviews, comments, five stars on iTunes help other than that have a great day <laughs>